Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good evening. Oh, good evening. Yes, very forgotten. My first time I fished in two morning services. Now still in the morning mode. Good evening. Wow, oh, good thing, Miss. You are paying attention. That's great. Oh, testing you actually. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor, uh, for your introduction. Uh, in the next slide, you'll see a picture of a cute kid. In the, the next one. <laughs> Who does this person look like? Wow, you're quite sharp, huh? quite sharp. Yes, it does look like me. Uh, and over the years, y'all can tell, uh, or some of y'all who may have known me through Sunday school, actually my face never really changed much. Huh? Uh, still able to maintain my youthful side. Uh, and as, it, as I shared in the 8 o'clock service, my parents were there. Uh, it's because of my parents' good genes uh, that I'm still as youthful as ever. Here's a picture of my family in the next slide. Uh, some of you will uh, recognize my family. Uh, my parents, uh, Emily and Chung Wai, and also my brothers who are seated at the other end. I'm currently doing some part-time studies at Trinity Theological College and really enjoy the studies and the opportunity given. And as Pastor Lee has shared, I look forward uh, to further studies and full-time studies next year prayerfully. Just share a bit about myself, uh, some of my hobbies. I spend uh, my free time usually reading books over a cup of coffee at a food court, Yakun, Toastbox, or maybe some of you know Heavenly Wang. I quite believe because Heavenly Wang. Oh, the Amokyo Hub also has Heavenly Wang and Thompson Plaza as well. I'm not really the Starbucks or coffee, coffee bean kind of person. I used to be a coffee kind of person, you know, coffee with milk. Uh, but over the years, you know, the past few years, you know, I now drink coffee black. Uh, so usually when I go to the coffee shop, like just now I had lunch earlier, I order kopi o siu tai. Some of my, uh, I'm doing my free time as well, I also enjoy going to the gym to exercise. Uh, I usually go on my off day with my, my father. Uh, my father is very fit, definitely much fitter than me. Uh, we go to the gym uh, in the early morning in order to avoid the crowd. I also sometimes like to watch TV shows. You know, some people think, well, BTM, don't watch TV shows. I do watch a bit of TV shows uh, now and then. Uh, yeah, I watch Netflix, some of you may know. And I also watch movies as well. I've watched all the Marvel movies. All of them. I've watched all of them already. Uh, of course, I'm not a hardcore fan. Please don't test me. Well, maybe some of you are hardcore Marvel fans. But I've watched all the movies and enjoyed them. I still remember a few weeks ago when the Avengers Endgame uh, came out. I remember taking leave the day after it was released just to watch the movie. And you know, as I shared at 8 o'clock, so my dad also watched also, but he was a bit like half awake, half asleep, not really sure uh, what's happening. Not his kind of thing, la. I think some of y'all uh, will understand. But don't worry, uh, I'm not going to spoil you the plot of the movie, uh, so y'all can go and find out more about the movie yourself. I think someone was telling me in the 8 o'clock service that she was going to watch it today at 5 p.m. So good thing I didn't spoil uh, the plot for her. <laughs> Let us pray before as we begin. Lord, may your word pierce through our hearts today with such power and conviction. Give us an awesome sense of your presence through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us read the scripture passage for today, which comes from Joshua chapter 14, verse 6 to 15. Verse 6. 
Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Canaanite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went out with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, The land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, He has kept me alive for 45 years since the time He said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now, give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Canaanite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Hebron used to be called Kirat Abba after Abba, who was the greatest man among the Anakites. Then the land had rest from war. This is the word of God. The key question that we would like to address today is how do we follow God wholeheartedly? I believe that most of us here today have a genuine desire to have more of God in our lives. Especially for some of us who have attended or watched the live stream of Celebration of Hope, we get very inspired by the testimony of those who follow God fully and have experienced the hope of Christ. But sometime after a few weeks or days later, or maybe months later, we return to a spiritual low. Are you tired of following God in your own strength? Today's sharing hopes to address that. To clarify, if you look at the sermon title, you may think that there's a typo, uh, because there's no W there. But it's not a typo, it's actually deliberate. I purposely removed the W. It's a play of words to help you remember the sermon better. So I'm not going to spoil the plot for you all of why I removed the W, like how we don't spoil the Avengers Endgame. You'll only find out at the end of the sermon. So as you know, the opposite of wholehearted is half-heartedness. And usually it has a negative connotation to it in most contexts, half-heartedness. But some half can be good. Half-boy egg. Maybe some of your people hard boiled it, but I think most of y'all uh, y'all would take half boiled it. Half price discount, wow, fifty percent sale. If your boss give you half day off, wow, you're also very happy also. And some of your soccer fans or sports fans will know that half time uh, is very important for the players to rest. And for the younger generation, uh, maybe 
your not my generation, so maybe I mean the younger one may not know that there's Half-Life game. Don't know whether you know you all know Half-Life game. Okay, but jokes aside, most of the time in general, the rule of life is that we all know that half-heartedness is not good. Have you ever given a half-hearted effort and expected wholehearted results? We all know that it does not usually work that way. Even Thanos from Avengers Infinity War understood that rule of life. He says in the movie, the hardest choices requires the strongest will. The hardest choices requires the strongest will. If you watch Infinity War carefully, you realize that he was willing to make the sacrifices needed that the Avengers were not willing to make and because of the sacrifices he was willing to make, he got all the Infinity Stone and defeated them. Of course, this is just my hypothesis uh, suggestion. Uh, for those hardcore uh, Marvel fans, you know, don't kill me, all right? You can talk a bit more later, uh, but this is just a suggestion. My point is that half-hearted effort will lead to half-hearted results. Most of us are willing to put in wholehearted effort in our work, for some of the students here, it's in their studies, families, relationships around us. And those are good things. I'm not saying that they are bad. But how about our walk with the Lord? In our walk with God, some might say, can't I just give 90% effort to God? I mean, you know, if I take the exams, right, 90%, uh, 90 marks is A, you know. Shouldn't God be happy? I give 90% of my time, you know, there are 10%, let me be, right? You know, give me A+. Plus. Uh, for, F, for my work with God. So let's say, I'm going to do an illustration now. I just give the AB team time to prep. Ready? Prep them already. Uh, let me see this mic working. Test, test. All right, it's working. Can you use a short illustration? Uh, don't worry, I'm not going to do anything funny. So let's say, okay, so, uh, let me move a bit behind. So let's say if I go to my wedding, Okay, I'm not married, just to clarify, I'm not married. Uh, let's say if I go to my wedding and if I dress mismatching color pants, okay, some, a lot of people told me last time before, this is considered mismatching color pants. Then look at my shoes, quite cool, you know. Uh, what I'm wearing uh, one side formal shoe, I don't know if you all can see, uh, and then the other side soccer shoes. I think you all can see, huh? Wow, very cool, right? Wow, contrasting color, very cool. So imagine if I go to my wedding and my imaginary wife was there. I say, what are you doing? Then my guests also give me, y'all give me the look, right? Why am I dressed up like that? And probably my wife will probably will not want to marry me. <laughs> isn't it? Sorry, isn't it enough just to give 90% of my efforts? I mean, I dress most of the attire correct. Well, I look quite good, look quite handsome. Just maybe the some parts not so correct, like Maybe a bit mismatching. Isn't that good enough? I'm sure that y'all as husband know the your imaginary wife will kill you. La. So imagine if God says that I will save 90% of your sin. 10% you handle yourself. Okay, I already saved your 90% of sin. 10% you're going to do it yourself. If that was the case, you'll all be dead in our sins. As the quote goes, he says that half-hearted Christians are the most miserable people of all. They know enough to feel guilty, but they haven't gone far enough with Christ to be happy. 
But thankfully, though we are half, thankfully though we are half-hearted, God is still wholehearted towards us. Half-hearted is also similar to wholehearted. If we don't give our whole hearts to God, it means that there are holes in our hearts. That's what our commitment to God is like. Sometimes there are holes in our commitment as shown in the slide. Hence, we all follow God wholeheartedly. That's what our commitment to God is like sometimes. You see, there are holes in our hearts. There are holes in our hearts. Hence, we all follow God wholeheartedly without the W. I don't know whether you all get the pun. Uh, We all follow God wholeheartedly with many holes in our heart. Now let's learn from our passage on how we can follow God wholeheartedly with the W. Let's look at the context of Joshua 14. In the next slide, you'll see that this is just a very rough subsection of the book of Joshua. So the first 12 chapters deals with the conquest of the land, which most of our sermon series have already been covering. Today we are in the second section about the distribution of the land. After many exciting battles and victories from the Lord, most of us who read this section will find it very boring. I'm not sure whether you all read it before. Uh, you all, wow, it's like, wow, so many names. Uh, don't know the name, don't know the land. Uh, skip, skip, skip. Uh, especially if we are doing some Bible reading plan, we probably wow, skim through very fast. And think, hey, I read already. <laughs> but why is it important for them to divide the land? In Joshua chapter 13, verse 1, it says that, when Joshua had grown old, the Lord said to him, You are now very old, and there are still very large areas of land to be taken over. So though key battles have been won, as we've seen in the first 12th chapter, but there are still hundreds of towns to be taken over. There are still many small areas to be taken over, and Joshua has grown too old to be able to continue to lead them. It is now the role of the individual tribe to take over the land assigned to them. If you know something that you wanted belongs to you, you will have the motivation to make it yours. That's what God promised the Israelites as well. And it's the same for us today as well. We have the promises of God in the Bible to make it our own. That's what God's promise to us if we follow Him. Joshua 14 deals with the distribution of the land for the tribe of Judah. Although we might forget Caleb, but God didn't forget him. Joshua 14 is the first mention of Caleb in the book of Joshua. Who is Caleb, you might ask? The Hebrew spelling for Caleb is similar to the spelling of the word dog. As some of us who are dog lovers or have dogs will know that dogs are very faithful and loyal creatures. They are very devoted to their masters. So this is one possible meaning as in the passage we read today, Caleb is someone who follows God wholeheartedly. Another thing to note is also that Caleb is a foreigner and not a Jew. He is referred to in our passage as the son of Japheni, the Canaanite. And Canaanite were not Jews. Although Caleb was a foreigner, he follows God faithfully. So why is Caleb so special? In our passage, I border it in yellow. I'm not sure whether you all uh, notice it. That he is 
mentioned as someone who follows God wholeheartedly. Three times some more. If one time is not good enough, well, he said three times to emphasize a point that he's someone who follows God wholeheartedly. But what about the Israelites? If we look at our passage, Joshua 14, verse 6 to 8, that section is actually referring back to the rebellion in the book of Numbers 13 to 14 about the rebellion at Kadesh Barnea. In Numbers 13, God instructed Moses to send 12 men to explore the land of Canaan. After 40 days, all of them returned and presented a majority report that the land was exceedingly good. But they did not believe that they can conquer the land because they were so scared of the giants there. They melted in fear. However, Caleb and Joshua presented a minority report. They said that as long as we trust in the Lord and His word, He will help us possess, possess the land as promised. But the majority report spreaded so quickly. The fear was so contagious that all the Israelites grumbled and complained against Moses and Aaron. All of them. As a result, we know that that generation perished except for Caleb and Joshua because of their unbelief and disobedience. In Numbers 14, verse 24, it says, But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Even in Numbers, his Caleb's really being mentioned as someone who follows God wholeheartedly. At a critical moment, the Israelites seem to have forgotten the miracles that God has done for them. And as a result, they chose fear instead of faith. Do we also forget the miracles that God has done for our lives? What can we learn from Caleb? Firstly, God's word gave Caleb spiritual vision. Caleb was very different from the rest. He remembered the miracles of God and the promises of the Lord. Vision is not denying reality or bluffing ourselves to believe that God is going to do something that he has, didn't say he will do. But vision is seeing the invisible God in the situation. He is seeing things from his perspective. You know, both Caleb and Joshua saw the same giants. It's not that they saw different giants. They saw the same giants as the rest of the ten spies. But they had the spiritual vision to see God in the situation. Have you offered your eyes to the Lord? Have you taken a step back and pray, Oh Lord, what does this situation look to you? And not just only in extreme situations, but also in everyday life, in any ordinary situation, we can see God. Some of us have lost awareness of God's presence in our lives today. Brother Lawrence, in the book, The Practice of the Presence of God, shared that working as a cook in the monastery's kitchen, he could sense the presence of God as much as during his prayers in the chapel. How can this be? The answer is practice. We claim on the promise of God 
that God is with us wherever we go. If we practice finding God in the ordinary, we can see God in our difficult situations. If we practice finding God in the ordinary, we can see God in our difficult situations. So start asking the question when you face a challenge. God, what does this look to you? Secondly, what kept Caleb going was God's word gave Caleb endurance in faith. As we know in the passage in Numbers, Caleb didn't disobey God. But he also didn't receive the reward immediately. He still had to endure 38 years of wandering and seven years of conquest before he received his promised inheritance. You know, Caleb waited for 45 years. 45 years compared to our idea of waiting, for some of us, a few weeks, a few months, we probably will give up. But what kept Caleb going was his faith in God, in the promises of God. His request for Hebron was based on what God has promised him. True faith waits upon the promises of God. You know, in our world today, we pride ourselves on how fast we get things done instead of waiting. When in fact, a lot of blessings in the Bible actually come through long period of waiting. As Gary Thomas says in his book, Authentic Faith, after God's promise to Abraham, a quarter century passed before Isaac was born. And a full century went by before the promise about the land took concrete shape. God's promises gave them endurance in faith. In fact, through the process of waiting upon God, their character is also being transformed. Perhaps God has given you a vision or dream that has not come to pass. After weeks or months of waiting, do you feel like giving up? Will you give up? Or will you ask God, what are you teaching me as I wait upon you? Remember, God is not merely interested in what you have accomplished for Him. He is more interested in who you become through these periods of waiting. Thirdly, faith in God's word, gave Caleb courage to act. Despite being very old, at the age of 85 years old, he said that he's still as strong as ever and has energy to claim what God has promised. You are never too old to serve the Lord. Our physical limitations do not hinder our spiritual growth. You might also be tempted to think, Aya, this Caleb, why is he bragging? What can an old man do? You might ask. Why are you so arrogant that you can say that I will claim this mountain? But his bragging is based on the promises of God. He has a godly ambition to defeat the descendants of Anakites. He has been waiting for 45 years to do it, and now he has his chance. In fact, it's not easy. It is very, it's a challenging task. But he has courage to act because he knows that God will help him 
as shown in verse 12. And in our own daily lives today, we also need courage to represent God. Are there situations in our lives that requires us to be strong and courageous? Is God asking you to take the step of faith into the unknown? Or in your workplace or in your school, is God calling you to take courage to be a witness for Him? Ask the Holy Spirit to grant you courage, wisdom, and the words to speak as you witness for Christ. Moving back to the story of Caleb, what was the outcome? He obtained the inheritance and drove all of the enemies out. And his qualities actually continued through the next generation, through Othniel, his nephew, who enlarged the family inheritance. Later, Othniel appears in Judges 3, verse 9 to 11, as the first of the judges empowered by the Spirit to rule Israel. How then, what can we learn and what can we do in order to follow God wholeheartedly? What is common uh, in, in the explanation of Caleb is that it's important to meditate on his word daily. When we kick off this sermon series, uh, Joshua 1, a few months back, we were asked to memorize Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. I'm not sure whether you all uh, kept that in memory. I assume most of y'all remember it. Don't worry, I'm not going to test you. But do you know that the same command is given in verse 6 and 7? Why does he mention it three times, one verse after another? Usually when something is said twice, it's to emphasize a point. But if it's three times in a row, it means that you really need to pay attention and know it. Many years ago, I was asking God, how can I be strong and courageous? You know, many people always say, oh, the book of Joshua, I you, Joshua, I better be strong and courageous. So I was asking the Lord, how can I be strong and courageous? And I noticed the triple emphasis and read the other verses surrounding it, which we often miss out. We only, we only read the verse 9, but we don't read the other verses. So as you can see from the slide, uh, you can see uh, I've bolded it for you. Uh, verse 6 and 7, be strong and courageous. And in the next slide, you also see uh, verse 9. Uh, uh, next slide, yeah, verse 9. Be strong and courageous, which we are all very familiar with. And sandwiched in between is meditating on God's word day and night. The Hebrew word for meditate is hage, which means to mutter. It refers to the Jewish practice of muttering the word of God softly and frequently. When one mutters it frequently enough, he remembers the word of God and his thoughts are constantly filled with the word of God. Joshua's motivation to be strong and courageous is by meditating on God's word daily. And that was my answer as well. And I believe that was Caleb's source and motivation for following God wholeheartedly. Both of them filled their thoughts with the words of God and their hands, their hearts were captured and captivated by God's word. And just to clarify, the word of God is not just mere knowledge alone. As Edmund Chan says, he says that the Bible is not merely a book of messengers, but a book of meetings. The Bible is not merely a book of messengers, but 
a book of meetings. Not just only knowing the messengers or even remembering or memorizing them, but it is about encountering and meeting God at His Word. Let me give you an illustration by Francis Chan. I'm sure some of you uh, know him. I'm not sure if you are familiar with the game Simon Say. So if Simon Say jump in the air, you know, the participants are supposed to jump in the air. But Francis Chan said that it's weird in church. When Jesus says something, we don't have to do anything about it. We just maybe have to study it, pray about it, but we don't actually do it actually. He goes on to give another example. He says that when he tells his daughter to go clean her room, I'm sure some of you are parents here, you ask your children to go clean their room, right? I mean your son or daughters to go clean their room. So same thing as well. So the daughter comes back to him and tells, Daddy, I have memorized what you say. Go clean your room. <laughs> I also memorized it in Hebrew. Okay, I don't know how to say it in Hebrew. I also memorized it in Greek. Go clean your room. I also invited my friends over to our house to discuss how it will look like if we clean our room. <laughs> we were also going to have a prayer meeting on how we're going to clean our room. But at the end of the day, the room didn't get clean at all. I mean, some parents may be familiar with that. You ask the children to clean room, but they didn't clean my room, including myself, so sometimes I don't clean my room. I'm not saying that Bible study, memorizing Hebrew, Greek are not important. They are important. Praying is important. Studying God's Word together is important. But what I'm driving at is that the point of meditating His Word is so that we will obey what it says. Not just to impart information, but to effect transformation so that we will do the will of God. As Pastor Edmund Chance puts it, he says, truth doesn't change lives. Truth applied changes life. Truth applied changes life. Let me share with you a testimony from the book I read a few years ago, uh, The Heavenly Man. Brother Yuin was an uneducated poor man from the province of Henan. He was 16 when he became a Christian and soon started to hunger for the word of God. But as because Bibles were not available during that time due to the Cultural Revolution, he fasted and prayed for a Bible. For a hundred days, he ate only one bowl of rice every day. And one day, as he fasted, he saw a vision where he would receive a Bible. After some time after the vision, he heard a knock at the door and recognized the same voice as in the vision. And there, he received his Bible. He was so happy. Every day, from morning to night, he read the Word of God. And after finishing through the whole Bible, he started to memorize it one chapter per day. In 28 days, he had memorized the whole book of Matthew. Then he went on to the other books. Soon after, he began to receive a dream and also confirmation that God has called him to be a powerful witness of Christ in the West and South. But because of persecution, he was arrested by the police several times and was thrown into prison three times for sharing the gospel. The first time he was arrested, he was thrown into a freezing, cold prison cell. 
with no heating I know some of you who have went to cold countries you all know that it's very cold you know if there's no heating super cold and the police also threw away his winter coat so it's really super cold it's very freezing but in response he began singing Psalms 150 aloud and the more he sang the more he was filled with so much joy and gradually his frozen hands and feet were no longer feeling cold during his first imprisonment in Nanyang, he felt that God wanted him to fast without food and water until he saw his family. Day and night, he meditated on the word of God, and by meditating, the Lord strengthened him every day to endure the sufferings. What's amazing is that he had no Bible at all. All of them were from memory. As a result, the fast lasted 74 days which was impossible, but yet made possible through his obedience to God. Throughout all the painful experience he went through, he meditated on God's word to the point that he knew it so well and could quote it so freely. He also taught the word of God in prisons, and as a result, many of them came to know the Lord. The main point is this. Despite the sufferings, Brother Yuin followed God wholeheartedly because his faith was strengthened through the meditation of God's word daily. And same for Caleb as well. How about us today? For some of us, is it about signing up for more Bible study classes? Yes, it could be. But I think what's more important for us is our daily personal Bible devotion to the Lord. Don't read it solely just to accumulate information or just to complete a task. Some of us have Bible reading plan. We just say, oh, I want the pastor to, to make myself feel, okay, I've done something today. I've read my devotion. But read it to encounter God at His Word. Reflect on what God is saying to you through His Word today. Some of us are very good with speed reading. You know, we are forced to read things very fast. Maybe through experience of work or studies, we read things very fast. But when we read the Bible, don't rush it. I'd rather you read a short passage and spend more time in reflection and response. And don't just also depend on your cell group's curriculum. Cell group, probably for some of, most of us here, is maybe once a week or fortnightly, maybe two hours per week. And that's not sufficient. And sometimes when uh, our cell leaders ask us to go and read, read up before coming, you know, prepare yourself, do the homework, some of us do read it and some of us don't. Don't rely just only on your cell group. And don't just only rely on the Sunday sermon. If you're not sure where to start, you can refer to the contemplative practices at the disciples' heart there, you can see. It's at the last few pages, the Lectio Divinia, Centering Prayer, St. Ignatius Prayer Method. I visited uh, quite a few cell groups uh, as you all did the curriculum, and I'm quite happy to say that uh, most cell groups are indeed practicing it. But of course, on your own time, you know, I hope that you will continue to do it, even though you may have finished the disciples' heart. The instructions there are quite easy to follow, and I'm sure that you will definitely benefit as you continue to read it. As you do this daily, your daily devotion, 
I'm sure your faith will be strengthened by His word and you will want to follow Him wholeheartedly. In conclusion, the word of God gave Caleb spiritual vision. The word of God gave Caleb endurance in faith. The word of God gave Caleb courage to act. We too can move from wholeheartedly to wholeheartedly by inserting a W word, which is the word of God. And that's why I removed the W word uh, from my sermon title. I hope that you all can uh, see uh, the reason there. That the emphasis is all about the word of God. We follow God wholeheartedly by strengthening our faith through meditating on His Word daily. Let us pray. Let's take some time to respond to God as we hear the message today. What is God asking us to respond? What is the next few steps that we can take? Make it a commitment to the Lord. Dear Lord Jesus, help us not to lose heart, but to keep on praying that we will follow you wholeheartedly. May our faith be strengthened through meditating on your word daily. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.